That's a great lead-in, Charles, to what we want to talk about this morning, about really experiencing the salvation power and work of Jesus Christ in our lives. I think the fundamental, or, or I'm convinced what is the fundamental struggle and challenge and frustration for the Christian is, is the thought that you could be godly and pamper yourself as well. And I think that is, is what explains the, the, uh, the, the restlessness, the, 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 the morality issues, the um, values and virtues that are, 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 are virtually the same as the world among the Christian community, the struggles we have honoring our commitments, our, our family relationships, our community relationships, the fact that so many of us continue to be defined by our sin as opposed to our freedom in Christ, the fact that so many of us are continuing to be dominated by evil desires rather than set free from sin, it's because we thought that we could have God and pamper ourselves as well. Would you turn in your Bibles with me, please, to Second Peter? I want to continue on with the series that I begun uh, when I was away. It seems to me that uh, it's impossible, it's impossible to experience Jesus Christ while we are trying to experience ourselves at the same time. Out of the the emergent fog that is around us, attempts have been made to fix this, and they're making it worse. Accommodating self-centeredness. The idea, maybe if we tear down all the old fences, let's blame legalism. Which, by the way, is bad. Legalism puts you in control of your life, or others in control of your life, as opposed to Christ. But let's not change the definition of what is sin in the process. Or or others have suggested maybe we just need to burn the map and just experience God. Too much Bible study has distracted us, they say, from action, in particular social action. Well, I'll concede that, uh, that perhaps we haven't exercised our relationship with Jesus Christ on behalf of those who are hurting and disenfranchised as we ought to have. But rather than knowing God, people are more interested in feeling good about themselves. Choosing gimmicks to try and bring on experience. Prioritizing social action that is cut loose from biblical directives and moorings is always dangerous. But uh, the disciple Peter lays out for us here, perhaps one of, in the, in the first section of this chapter, chapter 1, perhaps one of the, the strongest realities and call to uh, effective and productive experience of Jesus Christ that there is in the scriptures. The, the solution isn't um, all of the gimmicks and, and, and restlessness and moving from here and there and, and, and attempts that... Uh, at cutting loose from the rules and all that, the solution has been here for us all along. It's found right here, this text. The battle against self-centeredness to uh, adopt in our lives the self-giving, sacrificial nature of Jesus Christ. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, 
To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge or experience of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, this is your word you have set out for us, the practical realities of what it is to embrace the fullness of experiencing Jesus Christ. We have looked Hither and yon, we have raced from this place to that place, from this speaker to that speaker. We have read this book and that book, trying to prop up our lack of experiencing Jesus Christ. And in truth, we have tried to experience Christ and pamper ourselves at the same time. And here for us all along, you have taught us how we can practically experience the fullness of Christ in our lives. Lord, I, I pray that this might be a moment of victory in so many hearts. The aha moment that we've been looking for. So this is it. May your spirit draw us into your word, Father. And with passion, fill us with your teachings. That we may embrace the application of this in our lives, I pray. In a new and profound way. In a way we never have before. That this congregation, this community of faith might know what it is. To really, really experience Jesus in our lives. And that others may see him too. For Jesus' sake, I pray. Amen. It says in verse 5, for this very reason. What's the reason? The reason is, right before it says, we have to escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Our self-centeredness, the tendency we all have to pamper ourselves, puts us on a trajectory of corruption. It moves us away from Jesus Christ. It wells up within us evil desires that that war against what it means to have Christ, what it means to experience Jesus Christ. So for this very reason, it says, make every effort to add to your faith. Because if you possess these qualities, verse 8, in increasing measure, they will keep you from becoming ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge or experience Words are the are same of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many in here want to be effective and productive in their experience of Christ? I know you do. 
We, we want to. We, we long for that and we are frustrated because it seems to be so elusive or it seems to escape us and we wonder where it is. And in fact, maybe we missed the point here that we are required to make effort. Make every effort to add to your faith. In, in other words, bring on board every ounce of determination you can muster to set up an environment internally and externally that gets the best of the person of Jesus, the power of Jesus, and the promises of Jesus. It doesn't happen like that. We are not zapped at salvation with the full experience of Jesus. We receive the Holy Spirit. We, call, we are called upon to, to pray that we might be filled with the Spirit. But it wouldn't say in the Scriptures that we are required to make effort if there was no responsibility or no requirement on our part to participate in this great adventure of experiencing Jesus and the fullness of Christ. In other words, grace, the grace of Christ, demands and deserves effort or you will drift into destruction. That's what the next chapter, chapter 2, is all about. We are so easily distracted and so easily drawn away, so easily moved towards destruction, away from Christ, toward ourselves, away from Him. This word, add... Add to your faith is a Greek word uh, that meant or was used for uh, the uh, rich uh, producer of ancient plays who would uh, partner with actors and the state to promote uh, the play. And and it was an expensive endeavor uh, to be this producer, to add. In fact, the word epikorigaen which we get our word choreography, comes from this word add. Literally here, uh, Peter is teaching us that, that there's a generous and costly cooperation with God to produce a Christian life worthy of Christ. That's what it means here. And by the way, you can't do this by yourself. That's why it says in verse 3, this divine power has given you everything you need to make this happen. What you formally could not do, this list that I'm going to talk to you about this morning, what you formally could not possibly do, you now by the power of Christ can. You can join in in this. One writer by the name of Michael Green says, Upon the bedrock of your faith, you must add the indispensable inadequacy of human effort. Let me ask you, I talked to you the last time I was here. It is required of us to practice the promises of Christ in order to partake of the divine nature. You've been practicing the promises? Say, you know what, what? my life doesn't feel at peace at all. I would really love to have God's peace. Well, there's a promise that you can have God's peace if you practice certain things. Philippians 4, verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever is trustworthy, whatever is noble, whatever is good. On and on it goes. Think on these things. And the peace of God will invade your heart. 
But there's an escape here of corruption that must take place caused by our fixation or our addiction to our own significance. And what will combat this addiction? You have to add to your faith. One of the uh, staples in our house is KD. Is that a staple in your house, craft dinner? Oh, yeah. I love this stuff. Honestly. <clears throat> but you know what? I, I grab a package of this stuff. What I like about it is cheap and it fills you up, man. This is good. I grab this stuff and now, you know what? I have faith every time I look at this box. I say, you know what? There is a good mac and cheese dinner coming. I have faith in that. But I have to do something to make it happen, don't I? I mean, I can be, I, absolutely, I can be faith. You know what? Craft dinner, it looks good and all of that, but there's a thing here on the side. Well, it's the French side. Atlanta would have to read that for me. On the English side, empty pasta into six cups. A microwavable bowl. This is for the, if you're really hungry and you really want to do it fast. Add one to three-quarter cups of hot water. Microwave on high, eight to nine minutes until water's absorbed. Stirring every three minutes. Now, how do you do that in the microwave? I don't know. I don't know. That's weird. So I don't use the microwave. I don't try to do that because I don't want to microwave my hand while I'm stirring. So I put it on the stove. And I cook for seven or eight minutes. Well, you know what? That's not even faster. So, so you might as well do it the old-fashioned way. So forget the nuke instructions. And, and then it says you've got to add a tablespoon of... Well, this is for the, those of you who are health conscious. The sensible solution, it says here, is to add non-hydrogenated margarine. No way. You've got to put a good-sized spoonful of butter in this stuff or it's not... And then one-third a cup of skim milk? Are you kidding me? No way. That's just white water. No. You, you got to put the good stuff in there. Stir till it's evenly coated. Then this, this is a classic cheese sauce. Got to put that in there too. Now, does anybody think that you, uh, you can have a, a good dinner, a KD, without put, doing all that effort, without adding each thing? Do you think you can do that? You can't experience craft dinner without... without uh, by the way, we're... Jordan, this is yours, I think. Make sure nobody steals it after church. That's what God is saying to us in his word here. You, you, you can have faith in the power of Christ to transform your life, but you have to make some effort at this. You, you've got to participate in this. You've got to escape the corruption of the world that is caused by your evil desires. And we have them. Whenever I want to pamper myself, it ultimately moves to something evil. So I want to give you seven critical questions this morning for a productive and effective Christ experience. And the PowerPoint is going to, uh, to give you some bullets that I think are just seven bullets that are key applications for your life. You should keep them close. You should keep them... You should write them out and put them in one of the, the, the sections of your Bible. Seven critical questions. Not, by the way, not because I've invented these, because I haven't, but because it's God's Word. He's telling you in the most practical way how you can be satisfied, excited about your experiencing of Jesus Christ. 
effective and productive. The first question is this. How can I make sure my faith has the right flavor to it? You know, we, we go around here in our community in the Durham region talking about people of faith and the faith community. There are a lot of faiths out there. How can I make sure that my faith that we're talking about is the right flavor? And by the way, do you notice that each of these things adds to the next? To your faith, add goodness. And to the goodness, add knowledge. And to the knowledge, add self-control. And to the self-control, add. They all build on one another. Can't say, well, you know what? I'm, I'm really good in the knowledge thing, but... I'm not really going to participate in any of the other stuff. Now, this stuff all has to be added together. How can I make sure that my faith has the right flavor? Faith in what? Faith that produces what? Faith, faith in what? You add goodness, it says here. Uh, goodness could be translated virtue or moral excellence. In fact, the, the word itself means The proper fulfillment of anything's intended purpose. In other words, what you were made for. For what you were made. Your intended purpose. Your highest and best use. A knife cuts. A a, a well gives water. What do you think a human is to do? What what were we made for? To... To bow down to Buddha, to, to honor Muhammad, to, to gain advantage of people at, at their expense. Is that what we were made for? Were we not made in the image of God? Were we, were we not to reflect his glory and his greatness? Were we not to make God look good? That people might see him? A man or woman with Christ should be a man or woman of Christ. That's our highest and best use. The glory and excellence of Jesus should, should exude from us. We should attract people to the eternal and create an appetite for the divine. So, so every day of your life, you should get up and say, what, for what was I made? This is the practical adding to my faith. For what was I made? I was made for Jesus Christ. I was made to reveal his excellence. It's the same word, by the way, that's used up in verse 3, whereby we were attracted, we were called to him by his own glory and his goodness. The excellence of Jesus attracted us to him. The excellence of Jesus in us, as we experience Christ, attracts people to Christ. How can I make sure my goodness doesn't just become sappy moralism? You know what sappy moralism is? Now, you're going to think badly of me, but every so often I flip through the channels and, and I, I've bumped into the Jerry Springer show. Anybody ever seen that stupid thing? I know you have by the kind of the way you're like. And I just, sometimes when I see a couple of girls fighting, I just can't stop myself from, move, I just got to stay on the channel. And, and then I, I watch that and I think, and then he gets up and, and he gives this sappy moral of the story at the end. You notice that? He tries to redeem the corruption of our world. He tries to turn into something with a moral story. There's something good about this. We learned something good today. Now, how, do we, how do we keep goodness, excellence, virtue from just turning into sappy Moralism. Well, to our goodness, we specifically have to add knowledge. It's got to be informed goodness. 
It needs a map, a definition. The um, emerging idea for experiencing Christ is that we can actually set this to the side and, and long for an experience with Jesus and your experience with Jesus is going to be whatever it is and my experience with Jesus is going to be whatever it is. Now, I'm sorry. The Bible never says set aside the word of God to experience Jesus. It says to add Knowledge and specific knowledge. This is the knowledge of Christ. In other words, we're to consistently rub shoulders with the revealed Christ. Shaped by him. Knowing God's will through a passionate familiarity with God's word. Goodness that is shaped by truth. That's what he's talking about here. Want to experience Jesus? It's got to be goodness that is shaped by truth. Not through good feelings of experience and emotion. Now, experience and emotion urges me to just give in to my kids whatever they want. Is, you find that? You know, just by experience, you know, it just makes your life so much simpler. Just say yes. And they'll get, you know, get them off your case. And the, and the emotion of it all, you won't have a big argument, you won't have a big fight. Just let them do whatever they want to do. That's how we parent, right? Not if you're a good parent. Experience and emotion is a very bad gauge. It has to be corralled. It has to be defined. God's truth guards goodness. So that it isn't just moral sappiness. This, by the way, is not just the acquisition of biblical facts, but, but the specializing in practical wisdom. Being seen as flying away from bad, not flirting with it. That's wisdom. The third question uh, takes us to, to this. How can I make sure this faith keeps me moving toward Christ and not away from him? And now, you're probably saying, well, why would you, why would you say that? Um, if we have faith, wouldn't it obviously move us toward Christ? No, there are a whole lot of people of faith... Even so-called beliefs that parallel ours that are moving away from Jesus, not toward him. You know why? Because they haven't added this next thing in their lives. To knowledge, add self-control. Self-control, people who are struggling with self-control are people who are having trouble denying themselves. Do you realize that... um, our introduction to Christianity, our introduction to a relationship with Jesus Christ begins with this statement. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. By the way, that's not just the introductory statement to our Christian walk with Christ. That, That becomes our walk with Christ. The reason people aren't experiencing the fullness of Jesus in their lives is because, as I said from the very beginning, we want to pamper ourselves. We're addicted to our own significance. There's a rooted self-centeredness in us. So we add self-control. You know know what self-control, the way that we can 
increase our capacities for self-control, which, by the way, is to increase the capacities to corral our passions, is nicely worded by Eugene Peterson this way. To deliberately interrupt your preoccupation with yourself through certain actions. I love that. I, I think that's one of the great statements that I've read in a long time. That, that we are called upon in the Christian walk, if we want to experience Jesus, to deliberately interrupt our preoccupation with ourself. You did that this morning. Each one of you who's in this room this morning, you actually deliberately interrupted your preoccupation with yourself and came to church. Thousands of people in the Durham region are either in bed or, or uh, sleeping over a hangover or, or out goofing around somewhere or, or, or doing something that they want to do because there's no way they're going to deliberately interrupt their preoccupation with their, themselves. That's what makes a regular commitment to gathering with the community for worship so important. It is training yourself in deliberately interrupting your natural tendency to be preoccupied with yourself. Prayer is another. Your daily time with God, your quiet time with God, these are... And you know when you don't do it, why aren't you doing it? Because you're preoccupied with yourself. Lord, I don't have time for you today. I don't have time for you right this moment because I want to do this. If we are ever going to be people who, are, who know what it is to experience self-control, we need to put into place certain choices whereby we deliberately interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves. Do it every Sunday. Do it every day. Saying yes to serving. How is this... I, I want to camp here for one more second. This is so significantly important. Because the issue of self-control is one of the primary ways the evil one lures us away from Jesus. Escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Your preoccupation with yourself. Your inability to control yourself. In fact, don't take it from me. Listen to the word of God. In 1 Peter chapter 5, one page over, or maybe the same page you're facing, it says in verse 8, be what? Self-controlled and alert. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. When you have committed yourself to no possible interruption of your preoccupation with yourself, the evil one slides in there and says, hey, I got someone who's addicted to themselves and not to Jesus. I can lure them away. In fact, it's uh, what Peter is going to devote the whole of the next chapter, chapter 2, virtually to the false teachers who lure people away. Notice what he says in verse 18 of chapter 2. For they mouth empty boastful words and by what? Appealing to the lustful desires of sinful human nature. We are all there as targets. They entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. 
They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. How important is this? This will help you to rid yourself of those impulses that don't have you behaving like Jesus. The things you say, the things you do, the outbursts of words and action, the overindulgences, the desires to be first, the desires to get most that we war against. Every physical impulse that wars against spiritual dominance has to be put on the line. And you have to train yourself in deliberately interrupting your preoccupation with yourself. Fourthly, fourth question, how can I detoxify myself from myself? You'll see why all these keep adding on to each other. You're saying, man, that's a tough thing, that self-control thing, that, that deliberately, um, deliberately interrupting my preoccupation. With so how am I going to do that? Well, by the way, God's going to help. <laughs> he, add, he says, we've well, got to add perseverance. Because you want to give up. Every time you, uh, you try to to go cold turkey on your addiction to yourself, you, you want to give up on that. It doesn't feel good. And, and God says here, you go, you've got to add perseverance. It's not going to come immediately. This is, this is going to be a long, hard road. There are going to be failures and frustrations. But, but this, is going to be, this is going to happen. You, you, you've got to, to persevere. In order to stop pampering yourself, you've got to embrace self-control. And you've got to therefore learn to defer gratification. You've got to say goodbye to the immediate gratification of your physical impulses. Learn to cultivate the ability to be unmoved by difficulty and impulses. This adding of perseverance comes this way. You have to stop manufacturing pain-free quick fixes. As soon as something difficult comes into your life, you look for ways out of it, even if they aren't biblical. You, you can't do that and experience Jesus too. You, you've got to stay with it. You've got to stay in there. There's a, there's a certain amount of the Christian journey is about, is about sorrows and, and doing without pleasures. It's, it's just the way it is. And, and you, you've got to be unmoved by this. You've got to stay under it. To ward off, as Michael Green says in his commentary, two satanic agencies of life. The world from the outside and the physical desires from the inside. You've got to to persevere in this. You say, well, I can't. How can I? I taught you from the word of God that you've already been told in the scriptures that you can. 
In 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5, may the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. You can ask for it. The same patience and perseverance that Christ had, whereby he willingly endured the cross that we might gain salvation, is available to you. That power that caused Christ to stay on the cross is the same power that is available to you to stay under and not try to take the quick fix, the quick way out that's unbiblical. The Lord will help you to deal with your challenges of timing. God is saying no for a period of time. God is, is deferring what you want for a period of time. You have, to, you have to believe that. You have to deal with it. You have to be able to deal with your own temperament if you're an impatient person. I am at the top of the list. Impatient. You have to trust that God can and will help you in his time. To this perseverance, though, got to add godliness. How can I make sure this is all shaping me from the right place and for the right purpose? You know what the danger of a list like this is? always, because we pamper ourselves, is I really want, Pastor, I really like this sermon today because I really want to be a better person. This is not, I don't feel like shouting at you because I've already been doing that lots. This is not about helping you to become a better person. That's Tony Robbins' job. This is not anything close to that. If you think that uh, this is about becoming a better person, then you've missed the point of Christianity. This is not about becoming a better person. This is about becoming effective and productive in my experiencing of Jesus. This is about I want a better relationship with Jesus. This is about I want Jesus. Add godliness. Make it about Christ. Make it about God. Everything, all of this is about Jesus. I I sadly think that perhaps we have marketed salvation so incorrectly to so many people that they've missed the point. Salvation is not for heaven. That's the reward of salvation. Salvation is so that we will have Jesus. There, there are a lot of people who I think have missed the point and they aren't experienced Jesus, experiencing Jesus because they never wanted Jesus in the first place. They wanted heaven. It's come to Jesus. It's hunger and thirst for Jesus. It's I want Jesus more than anything, more than silver and gold, more than anything. It's I want Jesus. Maybe some of you really absolutely need to rethink what you thought this was all about. It's not about having a nice community to hang out with on Sundays. It's not about a place where we sing songs and do nice things. It's about Jesus. It really is. It's 
Uh, do I love Jesus? I have to ask myself, do I love Jesus? You should love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's what Christianity is. It's about Jesus. I, I'm going to, I, before Christ, I've, I've made, a, I've made a, a, a resolve that when someone walks up to the front of this church from now on, I'm going to ask them, the first thing I'm going to ask them is, do you want Jesus? Because if you don't want Jesus, you're, you're, you're missing the point. Is it Jesus you want? You want to follow Jesus? You want Jesus in your life? Is this why you're here? You want Jesus. I, I ask you to do the same. In your witnessing, in your life, in your work with you, do you want Jesus? Because that will be the way that God will add purposefulness to our perseverance under hardship. It's priceless. He, he becomes the stone grinder. He, he moves us from coarse to smooth, from rough to refined, from rowdy to reverent. Because I want Jesus. And I want to be like him. We have two more and then we're, we're finished. How can I make all this cause bigger than me? To your godliness, add brotherly kindness. Add Philadelphos. Love. In fact, it could have been written, love, love. Could have been written here, to godliness, love. To love, love. We'll talk about that in a moment. This Philadelphos, the love of brother. Brotherly kindness. When the Lord wants it to be all about him, he pushes us to make it all about others. Have you ever noticed that? It's always that. Jesus Christ, 1 John uh, chapter 3, verse 16, it says this is how we know what love is, that, that God sent his son into the world who gave his life for us. And what does it say? And we ought to do the same for our brothers. Whenever it's about Jesus, it's always about others. They connect the two. The scriptures always connect the two. Add brotherly kindness. Or a man or a woman's reverence is just empty piety. Particularly to love people God particularly loves and is singled out for his fullness and grace. I know we make it hard for each other. We make it hard on each other. We make it hard to love each other. We have our things. But this call to us to add, if you want to experience Jesus in your life, you have to love the people that God loves. You just have to. He loves every single one of his children. I mean, you know this is your own parent, as your own family. Think about how you feel if somebody doesn't love your kid. It hurts. Or mistreats your kid. You can't stand it. What about the Heavenly Father? We're in this royal lineage, this great family of brothers and sisters. And God so wants us to love each other. You want to experience me? Basically, he lays it on the line. It's contingent. It's conditional. You want to experience Jesus? You have to have brotherly kindness. And this brotherly kindness, by the way, means that you will guard With your life, spirit given unity from damage. 
You will bear burdens. You will serve. You will guard any hostile forces of disunity, gossip, prejudice, narrow-mindedness. Get over the small stuff already. Come on. And if you do this, if you've got to this place in the recipe for experiencing Jesus, maybe, just maybe, you can move to the graduate level. How can I graduate to the highest form of authentic Christianity? It says, add agape. Add love. God love. This is a special love. This means I am deliberately choosing self-sacrifice for the highest good of another, for the person I dislike most. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's what this means. I got to take a second. I got to take a second look at that. You know what? I got to the very bottom of this thing. Remember adding the big spoonful of of, uh, butter? This defines us as completely different from every other faith there is. Because our God is love. And if we are authentic believers, experiencing Jesus in our lives, partakers of the divine nature, then God love, God style love, Becomes who we are. A love that is not sourced in what the object is, but in who the initiator, agent, God is. Why this is la creme de la creme. This is the capper. We talked about moving from faith to God love. To fully experience God. This means I love people not for what I can get, not because they're lovable. In fact, possibly because they aren't lovable. The authentic person experiencing life transforming change in Christ can choose the very and highest, best purpose for that person. You don't have to move from gimmick to gimmick, from place to place, from book to book, from speaker to speaker. This is the deal. This is how the salvation by the grace of your faith is confirmed as genuine. The fruit of real faith's tree right here. I want to finish tonight. And I want to urge you to deliberately interrupt your preoccupation with yourself. I don't know, there's 600 people here tonight today. 
the average, the trend is that 500 of you don't come back tonight. Listen to me, though. Don't come back just because I asked you to. Don't come back for me. Don't ever come back for guilt. But can I suggest to you, if you're serious about really what it is to experience Jesus, that maybe tonight, Christ is inviting you to celebrate the Lord's table with him? That maybe it would be an opportunity for you to, to apply and say, you know what, I'm going I'm to take, take up the challenge. I, I want to start applying these things in my life. And I know some of you already have hard, fast plans that you can't break and all of that stuff. And I'm not going to be taking attendance or looking around. I'm not going to say, oh, you know what, I noticed they weren't here, so guess what, they don't really want to experience Jesus. Please, I'm not going to do that. I'm not. I'll try not to anyway. A momentary lapse of honesty. I'll try not to anyway. I'm urging, I'm just encouraging you, if you really want to experience Jesus in your life, and I think you do, you've got to start putting some of this stuff into practice. You've got to get serious about this. Father, I pray, by the power of your Spirit, that you will take the Word of God And make it come alive in people's lives. I pray, Father, that that this community of faith will embrace the effort required to really experience Christ. The effective and productive. As opposed to frustrated and restless and failing For your great name's sake, I pray. Amen. You know what? If you mean that song, he'll actually do that in your life. He will actually transform your life. If you make every effort to engage, to participate in what we're talking about, we are talking about disengaging from the corruption of the world that comes from our evil desires. That's what we're talking about, disengaging. We are talking about stopping the addiction we have to ourselves. We are talking about, uh, about addressing the issue whereby there are frustrated Christians who think that you can have some of me and some of Jesus. The way you can test to see if that's really true in your life is if the true greatest priorities you have are, are, are quick fixes to pain and getting your own way. And I suggest to you that um, I, for one, am eager to escape all of that. I am so done with all that stuff. So let's make the effort. For this reason, I, I think God is saying to us, if you have that, this precious like faith, the precious promises of God, if you have all of that, make an effort to take advantage of it for the glory of Christ. Experience Jesus. Father, that, that's, this is our, our prayer this morning. This is what you've laid on our hearts from your word. You, you've opened it up to us, Lord. I pray now the Holy Spirit will entrench it in the application of our day-to-day decisions, Father. 
Let's go through those questions every day. Let's go through the definitions of who we are in Christ and how we can live, I pray. That we may, from faith to love, experience Jesus in his fullest. For his, in his name I pray. Amen.